Welcome to episode 13 of Constructing Comics, a comics podcast building comic stories and pages one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with John Horsley, creator of the Eyes Anthology. This is Matt, and I'm joined by my pal Noah again. Hey there. And welcome, John. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, John's information on the anthology will be found uh, at the website eyesanthology.com. And we'll provide a link to that with our show notes and social media. So, uh, John, why don't you please give us some more details on the anthology? Yeah, sure. No problem. So the Einz Anthology is a book that I've been working on for the past two years that started basically from a, an idea to tell a story about myself and my kids. Um, I have five kids, married for 12 years, and I've been doing comics off and on for the last 16 years. And I decided I wanted to try and like do something in the horror genre because I've always been intrigued by monsters and and the whole like the angel demon thing so i decided to i've always you know read that kind of stuff i've always drawn monsters myself so i I, it all started from an idea to say okay let's make a story about a family and let's include like references to like my kids and my my mom my sister and stuff like that and that little idea two years ago blew up into me sitting down for like two weeks straight and building a family tree of roughly 250 different characters like with birthdays death dates family relationships dating back from um, the 1500s up to now and then a little in the future and then a little further back than that as well. And right. um, my, the, the original concept, which I still hold true to pretty well to today, was that this family, the Ions family throughout history, has had an affinity to the supernatural, to the, the monsters of the world, the things that go bump in the night. And the monsters of the world are attracted to this family. This family is what, whenever they're around, this family is, is in the thick of it, in the thick of any kind of uh, monster activity. And the whole idea I wanted to come up with with that was to not have it to where it was just black and white, good versus evil. You know, the ions are good, the monsters are evil. I wanted to have it to where anything could happen. It's, it's a world that has reality based into it a little bit to where not everybody in every, in every scenario is going to be good or, or bad. But what I wanted to do to tell this story, and it's, it's a little misleading calling it the ions anthology. And it's because it's, it's, for me, it's an anthology of stories that fit around um, one overall arching platform. But it's not an anthology as you'd see a regular anthology where it's like people submit stories and then they put them into a book that's loosely based upon one theme. This book is heavily crafted by myself, by Casey Allen, my co-editor, and all of the writers and artists that I've brought on board to work with me. It's heavily crafted to tell one overarching story through short little stories throughout time. So I've worked personally with every single writer and every single artist in the book to make sure what they're telling and what they're working on fits into this overall larger story. And we have... You know, this first book that, I'm, that we're working on that's coming out has 22 different creators in it, including myself, um, writing, drawing, you know, inking, coloring, telling different, different stories through, you know, I think the first story in the book takes place in 1100 England. And the last story in this book takes place, you know, in, in 2025, a little bit in the future. And then we have stories throughout the book taking place in all different parts of this, uh, of the timeline. But what hap- what's, what's cool about it is, is one story will tell you a story about certain characters and then you read a story like 100 years later and they'll be related because obviously they're related by family. So there'll be themes and there'll be elements that, that translate through the different stories. Mm-hmm. But each story itself is independent and tells, and, and tells its own thing. But together they, together they build a bigger narrative. And each book tells more of that bigger narrative. That's so cool. Yeah. Nice. So are the awesome. stories uh, presented in chronological order in the anthology? So, you know, Originally, the idea was going to be, no, we're not going to put them in, in order. But when um, I brought an editor on to help me out with this, because originally I was doing this all by myself as far as like the editing, the story editing, the, 
the whole plotting of everything. But I just, about six months ago, I was like, you know what? This is getting really difficult to keep this all aligned and tracked. So I, I hired an editor to come on with me and help me out with that. And we were going to mix the stories up to tell the different story. But once we, got, once we had picked all 10 stories for the first book, we looked at him and he goes, there's no other way to tell these 10 stories but to put them in chronological order because of the way they build the bigger narrative for the first book. So the first book actually is, by happenstance, in chronological order of, of story from one to the next. It just happened to work that way to where that ended up being the best way to tell these stories and, and, and build them together as well. That makes sense. Very yeah. nice. Um, so a lot of world building. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's let's delve into uh, some of your 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 origin story. Um, you had mentioned earlier, I think you said sixteen years uh, doing uh, doing comic work. Is that correct? Yeah, off and on. Um, I started back in two thousand two or so um, doing web comics. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, I I was doing humor based, you know, slice of life web comics on my own website. Um, back in the day, it was. Uh, it was on a, a old density website then it was on like an eight an eight M like one of those free websites back in the early 2000s they gave out. But I started yeah. doing web comics and I started doing, basically I started making a comic book or comic strip to make fun of my friends and to like have fun in college. And I was in college at the time. So I would draw characters of my friends into this comic strip and I wasn't very creative back then. I mean, all my characters were na- just literally named after my friends and myself. So it was like nice. my friend Dylan, my friend Calvin. And we just, I just made, not only made fun of them, but like poked fun at them, poked fun at myself. And I did that for a couple of years and then I started branching out and doing more like humor based slice of life comic books. And I started doing like, I took that main series into a zombie, a zombie world where I tried, I tried to turn like comedy based horror stories with it. Uh, and then I went, I went on, I, I published some books back then and I, I did a lot of, a lot of the humor based, like humor based stories where they had humor in them, but they also told like, I'm not saying they were educational, but they had some kind of like, element to it where you learned a little bit of something it wasn't all just dick and fart jokes you know <laughs> um but then in 2016 i got i got tired of doing web comics to be honest it was a grind like putting on a comic a day or, co- or three comics a week of pages a week was you know it's, it's it's a lot of work for little reward i mean you make some money on it yeah. you get some you get things here and there but it's a lot of work for little reward and i got burnt out so that's when i decided i'm going to tell a bigger story i have these stories that i've written and worked on over the years I've, I've written short stories i've written serious stories you know my whole life I was like, I decided, uh, you know, I'm going to try something else. My wife was super happy because my wife is not a super fan of my, uh, my dick and fart jokes. I mean, she laughs at him, which is like, you can do better. You can do better. I'm like, all right, let's do a monster story. She's like, well, cause she's not a big fan of horror herself. So she's like, you can do something better than horror. I'm like, nope, doing horror. I'm doing a monster comic. So I started building, that's when I started building the Eins. Um, but in between all the web comics and up to the Eins book that I'm working on, I've, I've done, you know, some short stories for anthologies here and there. I've done some short stories for, um, other publishers, you know, on both the writing and the, the drawing side. Um, I did a talent search for Marvel Comics back in like 2003, 2004 as an inker. It was a terrible, terrible Thor story that I inked and it came out looking okay, but it was like, I can't believe they actually used it for something, but you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, wow. Can you find that somewhere? Yeah. <clears throat> it was an online, it was an online publication they did back in like 2003. I don't think they ever actually printed it, but it was a, they did a talent search on their website and it was up on marvel.com for a while but it, i i don't think you can find it anymore i'm sure a google search will yeah maybe i can find some remnants of it somewhere i think if you google search like marvel talent search 2003 and the penciler's name i think was like singleton or something like that joe singleton i can't i can't even remember what his last name was 
I ate, I ate four pages for him and then turned it back in. He turned them in and they got published on the website. And I was like, yeah, I'm on the marvel.com, you know? <laughs> nice. Did you, did you digital ink those or are you, no. a, were, were you, are you a old fashioned kind of guy? I do. Tra- I do things traditionally. Like I do oh, some yeah. digital work, but 90, 99% of the stuff I do is, is, is ink to paper or paint, paint to paper. Yeah. Like I have right an iPad pro with an Apple pencil. And I have mm-hmm. a, a service book with the pen and I do draw on them sometimes, but I get so much more joy out of just grabbing a pen or a pencil and, and drawing on a paper and then using different paints and markers to make it get the coloring on there and doing it that way. Same here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Love it that way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much more fun. So much more rewarding too. Cause then you have at the end of the day, you have a piece of artwork that you you can, it's not just on a computer. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's also that, you know, I can get lost on digital for hours, you know? Yeah. There's no end in sight when I'm working digitally. But if I'm working traditionally, there is an end in sight, you know? Right. And like you said, it feels so good when you've got something done and it, and you don't have to re-go go over things multiple times or anything like that. It's like, it's like winning a game of solitaire, you know? Right. It's, just, it's, right. Just, it's just great. I yeah. find myself digitally relying too much on the undo button and not trusting myself as much exactly. as I do when I do a pin. You know, yeah. it's, I have a lot of friends who are hundred percent digital and, and they do great work. It's just, it's just not for me. <laughs> same, same. Yeah. I, I do not have any dis, uh, disrespect for anybody who does all digital. I like, I love, you know, my, my favorite artist is Mitch Jarrods, you know, mm. and he's all digital and he's phenomenal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm not there yet. Uh, I love the <laughs> traditional stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, with the name Eins and the, the name, like, you know, you, you talked about how it, it relates to your family sort of as well, but um, where does the name Eins come from um, in the story? So that's a, it's a funny story. So legally, my actual name is not John. My actual name is the letter J and my middle, oh. name, is the letter, my middle name is the letter N. So <laughs> I grew up going by J-N and through some weird mixing of my brain, I end up getting Eins out of JN and, and JN3. I'm, I'm the third too. So I kind of took my name and kind of morphed it into the Eins. Then I looked it up and like, oh, it's an Irish name. And then I was like, oh, that works, that works because I have Irish heritage in my family, you know? And I kind of morphed it all that way, but it, it all morphed into basically taking, doing a play on my own name. Yeah, and I looked it up too. And Eins is related to the name Angus. Yep. And Angus is interpreted as one choice. Yeah. So I was like, ooh, there's some kind of deep thing going on there too. You know, it ended I'll up, have to read the story. Yeah, yeah it, ended, it ended up being a, a really good choice because there was a lot of really cool stuff that I can do with that name and the heritage yeah. of it. Yeah, I really liked it. And um, yeah, I think that I thought that was a really cool, unique choice for the story. Yeah, I wanted something that wasn't just like, a, a, I wanted something that was short, but kind of, you know, we had that something you don't hear all the time. And it just, when I, once, I came to, once I came to that, looking up, names and history names and things kind of fit with my name i was like nope that's it that's once i hit it i was like that's that's where i'm going with this (laughs) yeah there's definitely an exotic european nature to it and yeah 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 Yeah. once you look at the art you can definitely see that in the art as well yeah some of the stories some of the artists on this book have done some amazing work oh yeah it's it's well from what i've seen it's pretty incredible i was showing it to my wife before the recording and uh she's very particular about the artwork in her books that she reads yeah so, and she loved it so yeah oh, she's, nice. yeah it definitely struck a chord with her and she's more horror uh comics that's that's more her scene also so, nice, yeah it's nice. beautiful work 
glad to hear it. I'll tell the artists in the book. I'll, I'll, I've been making sure I tell them every time someone says something good about their art. I'm like, look, this is what they're saying. You do good work. Cause so a lot of, some of the, some of the guys yeah. were worried about doing horror. They're like their first time doing a horror story. And I was like, no, 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 you, you got this. You got this. That's incredible. Cause it seems like a lot of the guys, it seems like that's what they were born to do. Just on like yeah. the pages that I saw on the preview. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them did. I mean, can't even imagine them not doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Matt, if I'm cutting you off, you go um, ahead. Yeah. No problem. Hey, so how about if we, uh, we talk a little bit more about the, the anthology, uh, why, sure. uh, why don't you tell us, uh, what your, your role in the, all of this is? So my role is, um, I wrote in the first book, I wrote two of the stories. I wrote the story some days and I wrote the story Camelot's gift. Um, I also inked the story. I did the, the inks on the story uh, called the black Ant. I did colors in the story called um, Nancy Ein's Krampus killer, which has uh, art by Scott Godleski who did Copperhead and Superman and Batman and a bunch of stuff for DC. Um, yeah, I recognize that name. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, uh, I love that amazing. Copperhead stuff. Yeah, Copperhead is literally one of my favorite books of all time. And the fact that we got him to do a short story for us, I was so excited for that. Very cool. Um, but yeah, my role basically is I, done, I did various aspects of the art. The only thing I didn't do is I didn't do any lettering because I'm not a letterer. And uh, I think a good, having good letters is very important for a story. And just, that's just not my bag. Yeah. Um, but, but beyond just working creatively on different stories, my, my big role in the book is basically making sure all the stories fit together and fit the overall narrative of the story and mm -hmm. that um, everything we're putting in, even though the stories don't all connect on the surface, they all connect on the back end that if you pay attention, each story has a purpose in what it's telling you. Very cool. So um, I'm assuming you had uh, like a submission uh, process for this. Uh, how did you go about selecting and, and finding uh, your artists and your collaborators? So I started two years ago with writers. I figured I was going to start on with the script versions. So I didn't like have teams pair up and like come to me with stories. I, I started with writers and I put a call out on a Facebook group um, that was called, I think it was called Connecting Comic Book Writers and Artists or something like that. And I ended up getting like 250 or so people submitting stories to me to say, hey, I want to work on this. So I had to spend like a week or two like reading all these sample works and which wasn't, I mean, not, it's not the worst way to spend a week reading sample, you know, basically free comics, but... <laughs> Yeah. Um, it was, that was, I liked that, but it was, it, it allowed me to go through and pare down. Okay. I, I, I knew the budget I had because, um, one of the things that was important to me as a creator, when I started this project was I'm going to bring people on to, to do this book with me, but everyone's going to get paid their, their page rates and their, their story rates up front. It's not, no one's going to be waiting on a Kickstarter for that. So if the Kickstarter, if for some reason the Kickstarter doesn't succeed, mm -hmm. all the creative team has already been paid. They've already got their money. No one's worrying about, about getting paid at the end. Everyone gets paid up front. Yeah. So I knew going in what my budget for scripts were and um, you know, obviously some people that are had a bigger backlog of stuff they've done, you know, I, I spent more money to get them into the book, you know, that I wanted to work with. Um, but everybody, I, I went through all the scripts and I ended up uh, weeding it down to about 25 people, which was really hard to do. Cause I got, there were some really good people that had to submit some scripts. I had to say, not this time, you know, not, not yet or whatever, not now. Um, so we did down to about 25 people. And I did 25 because originally I was going to put this out as one, one book with 20 stories in it. And um, I picked 25 to start with because I knew working on books in my, in my past that, you know, about three to five are going to drop out and disappear. And that's just, that's just the way it works. Yeah. So I overhired and then, you know, everybody got paid once they had an approved script with, through, through the, the process. So I ended up only losing two people in the first process. So I ended up keeping, you know, 23. And then over the last two years, I've brought on probably about 10, 15 more writers just because people like one writer will say, Hey, I got a buddy who writes these books and he's interested in the storyline too. 
say, okay, cool. Have them send me a sample and we'll talk it out. So I ended up you know, bringing out more people here and there. And then once I had a good selection of scripts um, of various stories, now the process with the people, the, the writers writing the scripts was I said, okay, you can tell any kind of horror story you want. If you want to tell a, a slasher gore story, we can work on that. If you want to tell a, a thriller story or a, a story that just messes with your mind, or if you want to tell a comedy horror story, there's room in this book for all these different types of things. But what it has to do is it has to involve the Ains family with a member of the family in the story as a main character. And it has to involve something with a supernatural or a monster element to it. He said, you bring me a pitch with that. We will take that and we'll figure out what time period you want to write in. So if you want to write in World War I or if you want to write in the Civil War, if you want to write in you know, the medieval times, we can work with all those types of stories. We just have to make sure that we feed it into where it needs to feed into. So they would see me their pitch because I want to write a story about uh, World War I zombies, right? And I'll say, okay, that's cool. Here's the characters that were alive in that time. Here's their backstory. Here's, here's a little bit of their backstory. You take that. You create more of their backstory and you create, you create these, these stories. And then as the writers were writing, I was working with each one of them periodically to say, okay, yes, this fits in this, this, fits in this world. No, this does not fit in the world. And then we got all the, the, the scripts in, the approved scripts in. We took them through. And we said, okay, we want these 10 stories to be in the first book. Because at this point, I decided I have too many good scripts to put this all in one book. Let's break this out into a couple of books and tell a bigger story because I've, I've got the material for it now. Yeah, so, I was about to say, I was like, I did not see. Yeah, but, I'm like, but that makes me excited because I'm like, oh, cool. There's going to be more of this. Yeah, we have, we have yeah. four books planned currently. And book two is already halfway done. So Nice. Yeah. Very cool. So then when I got to the aspect of getting artists for this, um, instead of, you know, a lot of anthologists will say, you're a writer, get your own artist, bring them in, whatever that. I, I decided, let's do this a little differently. Let's, let's, me as the guy who's editing the book and putting this all together and paying for everything, I'm going to take these scripts that I really, really enjoy. Because every script in this book, um, I've read multiple, multiple times. And I, they're in the book because I love the story they tell. And I love the way they fit into this world that I made. So I'd find artists that I thought would be the best to draw this story out. So I found like Daniel Biano, who drew the cross path in the story, which is one of the ones, um, the one that's all has, uses a really good negative space that you saw. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's an artist out of Argentina that I, I saw online. I saw his work and I was like, Hey man, what do I have to do to get you to draw a story in this book? And we worked it out. And then I wanted Scott Galeski to come in and draw a story. And then I have a friend, Rick Bugby, who drew, he drew, he drew both some days and Camelot's gift in the first book because he's a friend of mine. I've known him for like 10 years, but he does a fantastic, amazing work. I'm like, you've got to have a story in this book ended up doing two and i just found these artists around the world really because i've got artists in spain the philippines all over the u.s canada same with the writers too to come together and kind of work with me as like kind of like the in-between person to make sure things fit into the world and then the writer and artist work together to make sure what the artist was drawing fit the idea of what the writer was was telling and then once i had that done you know i would find the right kind of colors for the story so it was kind of done in a matter of I kind of gathered the creative teams and kind of piecemealed it together to make it work to where it fit the story I wanted to tell, but also told the best story I thought it could tell. Man, that's a lot of work, but it, has been. it, look, <laughs> I, 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 it looks like it pays off though. I mean, just from what I've seen. So I think so. Yeah, I, good I, for put, you. Yeah. I put together a mock-up book um, of all the finished pages uh, and like the page, there's, there's a couple, we're, we're at this point right now of recording this, we are mostly done with the book. We have a couple pages still being colored and lettered. So I put okay. together a mock-up book with like just generic lettering to kind of like read through the book and see how it reads. And mm-hmm. uh, I was, my editor and I were both very impressed with how it read. And I gave it to my sister, who's a huge horror fan and had her read through it. And she was, uh, she was pretty excited for it. So I'm happy to hear that too. That's awesome. That's really great, man. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm curious with you having an arts background and you're a writer and an editor and you're juggling, you know, you have all these different hats on. Um, so what specifically is your writing process like when you come up with a story like this? Um, like with you, uh, you did, um, you have three stories that you wrote the scripts for in, in this first issue, right? I, I, so, I have two, two in the, well, no, yeah, three, there's three, yeah. There's three. three, yeah, yeah, because there's that mystery one I saw on the, the preview yeah. that they don't have much for. So um, do you start with, like, do you just, just write the whole story out in prose and then work it into a script, or do you just start writing the script immediately with all the page and panel layout? So when I write a script, I, I'm very... I have, I have two ways of writing scripts. One of them where I'm very, very descriptive on panels as I go through it. As the artist, when I write scripts, I just want to say, okay, I'm writing this script for me to draw. Okay. So I'm telling myself what I'm going to draw on each panel. Um, like so if, you, if you look at the script for Camelot's Gift, which is one of the stories Rick Bugby drew, each panel description is like so, like so defined down to what everything you see. And then when I, obviously when I gave him the script, I said, all right, I'm describing what I would draw you can take artistic freedom and, and change it up if you want to, to make it better for how you draw. This is me telling myself what to draw. But typically when I write a story, I'll have the idea, like the, the, the three line synopsis of what the story is going to tell you, you know, how it's going to start, what's in the middle, how it's going to end. And then I just start writing. I start page one, panel one, and I just write the scripts. I don't, I don't really do a prose story first, then convert it. I just write the script. Um, sometimes I'll write a loose script. If I'm, if I know the artist is going to be working on it, it doesn't really, you know, they want to, they want to spend most of their time just, you know, getting the scenery and then making it up themselves. I'll write it out loose, but I typically just write it out from start to finish. And, um, you know, as I go through make sure what I'm writing fits into the world that I've already built and I'm not, you know, messing anything up that I've created myself. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just curious about what, yeah, you with the, the visual mind and the visual background, how you would write it out for another artist. So that's very cool. Do you do a lot of communicating before you write the script with the artist or yeah, uh, is it I just do. on a, but I, I need to, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I try to be as open as possible with the artist working on the script. And I always tell them, you know, if there's things you want to change or if there's panels you think should be stretched into two or three panels or condensed because you're the one creating the visual of the page, even though I wrote it and I'm an artist myself, you're the one in charge of basically directing the, the visuals of the page. So let's talk about any changes you want to make. And typically, most of them I'm like, yeah, that's not, that's, I didn't think of that. That sounds great. Do that. That, that, that layout sounds really cool. Let's go with it. You know, cause I don't want to be the kind of writer or the kind of person that's like, no, it has to be this way because part of collaborating people is bringing in those other ideas to make your product better in my opinion. Definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah, you, you're overseeing so much of this. I was, yeah, just curious how much of a collaborative process this is. Is it sort of the same with like the inkers and the colorists and the letterers as well? Do you have a, a vision in mind and then they bring their own vision in and you guys work together to create the final product as well. Yeah. For the colorist and for the letterist. Absolutely. I give the letter, um, the letter so far, the letter on the book is this um, amazing letter named Nikki powers. She has a fantastic job. And so far she's lettered every story in this book, but uh, I tell her, I'm like, here's a script. Here's the pages. I trust you to make judgment of where things go and how things should look because you did a great job for colors. I tell, I give people the script and I say, here's a script to give you kind of tone of what's happening. You know, I, I, if I'm obviously, if I'm bringing you onto this book, I've already seen your work and I trust, I trust your colors, you know, what you, what you select as far as inkers goes so far, the only inker on the book, that's not the actual pencil himself is me. So I'm the only one on the book that's inked over someone else's pencils. Um, everybody okay. else who, who came on the book did their own inks. So oh, that's they, awesome. they, they, they made their own choices as they were drawing it. So, you know, that worked out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the guy, awesome. and, and the guy is the story who I inked only did that because he usually does his own inks, but I asked him, I was like, Hey, I want to ink your work. Will you just do pencils for me? 
he was like, That's okay. Awesome. So I was the first one ever to ink his work because he's always done his own inks and all of his stories. So I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. <laughs> Who, which artist was that? Uh, Greg Warren check on the, the black hand story, which was the, um, it's the world war one, uh, zombie story. That's awesome. That's so great. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. That's cool. Hey, so we've touched a lot about the, uh, the, the basic aspects of this. Uh, let's, uh, let's look at, uh, let's look at a, a page here. Um, we one of the pages you provided us was uh uh the cross path page yes. one um and uh, i really i really like this page a lot uh it's it's a black and white page um but uh why don't you give us a, a little bit of uh a little bit of thoughts on on this page here sure so the cross path is it actually a, it's a really it's probably the most important story in book one it's uh, told by a writer named uh, Joseph S. Pell out of England, drawn by Daniel, B uh, Daniel Biano out of Argentina. And um, the story basically, it, it gives you a lot of world-burning setup between the conversation between two people in a bar in the 1600s. And when I gave the script to Daniel and talked to him about, about how drawing this, I said, hey man, just to let you know, no pressure, but this is probably the most important story in this first book. So I need this art to be like the best work you've ever done. And he's like, oh, no pressure, right? I'm like, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> so he uh he came back with to me with this first page here and the first thing i ever saw from him was just that first panel with the uh, uh the guy writing the horse and the, the negative space of the of his you know his cape behind him and it's all we saw with the rain and i was like oh my god this guy's nailing it and then we got the full page where the, the bird is in negative space and the whole story all eight pages is all done in this whole black and white negative space thing and we act at the end of it we decided uh better nice you know what this Daniel did such a good job with using blacks and negative space. We're not going to color it. We're going to leave it black and white. And there's only about there's only two little spots that have a little bit of color in them and they just accent what's happening. But I, I didn't want to take away from them the amazing work he did just doing this. And he did it all. It's all traditional. Too. None of this is digital. It's all this ink on paper, which I was like, I was blown away by because it's so amazing. And um, that one was great too, because when I, I showed the writer, when I showed um, Joseph the first page, he was like, oh my God, this is better than I could ever have imagined the story to be. I'm like, I know it's, it's coming together so well. It was just such a good marriage of script and artist for that one. Yeah, it really is. It's like, it's, it's hyper, almost like hyper Miller almost, you know, yeah, with all the yeah. detail in these, these pages and all the lines. It's, it's just gorgeous. But it, yeah, especially, yeah. But I, I compare it to Miller, especially with those choices about what he, you know, what he uses as shapes that sort of guide the, the page around but also things that you would think be would be all black or actually all white just based on importance or uh yeah. framing the scene it's it's a really gorgeous piece yeah and i can't wait for you guys to see the rest of the story because the rest of the story is just the same level of awesomeness throughout for this for this this cross path story that's gorgeous yeah yeah what was his name again daniel biano Daniel Biano. i'll have to see if he's on social media and give him a follow because yeah this art's spectacular yeah, he's done a couple of other books, and he actually has in the Kickstarter he uh, he donated some digital digital copies of other books he's done for people who back him, so they can get some more of his work because it's just fantastic. Well, that's a great incentive. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and so another one of the pages you provided us was uh, the what is it? It's uh, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, no, what's the the next page that we have here? It's, it's uh, uh, some days page one. 
Yeah, so. oh, some days. Yeah, that's a that one's cool. That's by artist Rick Bu- Rick Bugby. Um, he did that story, and he also did uh, Camelot's Gift. And this one was colored by DC Alonzo, who now works for Dark Horse Comics, doing some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this one. So my original thought in this story was I was gonna I was gonna draw it myself, and I was just gonna tell this story. But then I, was, I talked to Rick, and Rick's like, No, 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 you're doing a medieval sto- a medieval story. Let me do it. Let me do it. And I was like, All right, Rick, you can do it. So. And then my, this is one of the ones where the description of each panel was so intense when I gave it to him because I was, again, I was planning to do it myself. So like the first I was describing, you know, camera angles and like how many, how many windows the building had, stuff like that. And I told Rick, I said, Rick, you know what? Just take it and do it how you want to do it. I know I'm over descriptive on this. Just, and he came back to me with these pages and they're just, you know, he has the establishing shot at the top where it kind of shows you where you're at and then it builds through to like taking you down into the room where these characters are and these characters are talking and it just sets up this mood of what's happening. You can just, the emotion that gets on their faces just let you know, Hey, this is not a good conversation just on that first page. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, yeah, the intensity on that, that bottom page, the payoff is pretty, yeah, it definitely sets the mood for the whole story. Yeah. And yeah, this one's only a short four page story, but it, it, a lot of stuff happens in those four pages. <laughs> That's awesome. The the composition in this page is probably the most clear and like flowing, of yeah. Like you know of like any composition you could choose with how how he uses the perspective lines to guide your eye around the page. I love, especially love the third panel with the spiral staircase and how that leads from the second panel in. Yep. With the platform leading into the stairs, and then the spiral leads you down to the next panel, and then that table um, on the on the fourth panel leads you into the the old man's face in the last two uh, on the last panel as well. It's just, yeah, it's just gorgeous composition, beautiful flowing lines. The, the eye moves around just so naturally on this page. And um, yeah, it's so smooth, but I love how his art is sort of contrast to that. It's very rugged and very sketchy. And yeah. Like a lot of lines again, but that's the kind of art I love. So I love that texture that it has. And then the colors complement that as well. Yeah, he did. Rick, I don't know how Rick is not a bigger deal in indie comics because he knocks out these amazing pages. He's working. He's actually working on a story for the second book called Fate's Lonely Passage, which takes place in 1645, and it's, it takes place on a boat coming from England to America. And when I when I when I say this, I don't say it lightly. But T.J. Troy is the writer who wrote this story, and when I read this script, I said, T.J., you just gave me the most complicated script to draw I've ever seen. <laughs> and it, this is the most visually complex thing I've ever read. He goes, Oh, is that bad? I'm like, no, no, this is a great thing. And then yeah. I gave it to Rick and I was like, Hey Rick, how, do you want to be challenged? He's like, yeah, let's do it. And I gave it to him. And he's, he's completed about the first four pages of the script wow. and they are beyond beautiful. How he's built the ships and he has the waves. Cause how he does his art is it's all very, it's all ink wash, right? He has hard lines, ink wash, and he uses white paint. And then when the colors go on top of that, the colors just extenuate everything behind it. And yeah. it's just, He's just not, he's, he amazes me every time he draws a story for me. And I just, I, I love, I love working with him. That's so awesome, man. I'm just looking at this detail on panel four where he's got all the spears and the axes drawn into the background and the, yeah. the meeting room. Like that's a lot of work, but it's, it's pretty awesome too. And how everybody has their own unique silhouette around the table. It's, pretty awesome yeah yeah i have these i have these original pages here he, he actually mailed me all the original pages for this and i have them in my collection of original art and they're they're so beautiful and i'm actually i've actually decided i'm keeping this first page here because it's just the establishments on it but the other three pages are going to be as rewards in the kickstarter too so we can actually buy the original art for those awesome 
just awesome. Very cool. So um, this is coming to Kickstarter in February, correct? February 1st it launches, yeah. Awesome. Um, could you give everybody uh, where they can, they can find you on, online, uh, websites and social media? Sure, absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram as just at Y2CL. Uh, that's my handle pretty much everywhere. You can find my website at y2cl.net, which houses my, um, my podcast and uh, art stuff and my other books that I've done. The Ions Anthology you can find on Twitter and Instagram at just at the Ions Anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, also the website, ionsanthology.com. And if you go to ionsanthology.com slash Kickstarter, it will redirect you to the actual, the actual Kickstarter page. Oh, awesome. Thanks so much uh, for, for joining us. We'll be sure to share this um, in February when everything uh, comes out. Uh, is there anything else you want to tell us real quick? Yeah, sure. Um, I have a podcast called Spoiler Country where we talk about comics, movies. We talk to creators kind of like you're doing here. Mm-hmm. We talk to uh, you know anybody who wants to talk to us. We've been doing about two years. It's taken us to San Diego and to San Francisco and to Portland for various conventions to talk to people, which has been a lot of fun. And um, just if you want to, if you want to hear me talk more, you can hear me talk there every week. And it's just at uh, at scpod.net or just search any podcatcher for Spoiler Country. Awesome. We'll be sure Definitely. to to sh- share that as well. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, well, thanks uh, so much for joining us, John. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thanks, John. Yeah.